Hello and welcome. This is Pastor Terry, and I'd like to welcome you to my Bible study podcast. This daily podcast is a place where we take the teachings of Scripture seriously, but ourselves, not so much. Join us as we dive into the sacred word of the Bible, and each time we read, we pray, we change the world. Welcome to Pastor Terry's Bible Study Podcast. to today's podcast it's tuesday it's tuesday the uh, 28th of march 28th of march and so um yeah we are continuing our journey through the new testament we are in matthew 22 today and so we're going to be uh spending our time in the gospel of matthew this morning tomorrow we're going to jump over to mark uh, Mark 11, but today, uh, Matthew 22, uh, again, our hearts and our prayers, thoughts continue to be with um, just the shooting in Nashville, the loss of innocent lives um, senselessly, um, this uh, just really, really sad situation. Um, yeah, just a uh, reminder of the... Uh, the reality of evil and senselessness, and hopefully we can figure out a way to do better, man. Protect our kids. Um, so yeah, uh, I heard, uh, I saw a, a article online. Assuming it is correct, I don't uh, mean to confirm it, but um, that the pastor of the church, um, his daughter was among those who um, were killed. So, uh, so just a really, really, I mean, it's sad regardless. Just when you start hearing the personal stories, it just kind of adds even more uh, tragedy to the, to what you, to just the, the names and the images that you, you hear and see. So, yeah, so they, uh, yeah, so we just continue to lift up the Nashville community, uh, that Covenant Presbyterian School. Um, yeah, and all the families, and loved ones that are forever uh, affected uh, by this uh, sinful act, honestly. So, Matthew 22, well, let's, uh, let's jump into the Word of God this morning. Matthew 22, um, you know what we do, we read, we pray, we change the world. Matthew 22, let's see what the Lord has to say to us today. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for, for his son. So it's going to be a nice wedding, you know, because they got because the king is the king's son, it's the prince, it's a royal wedding. And so the kingdom of God is like a royal wedding. Good morning, Anne. Good morning, Nona. Um, so the king prepares a banquet for his son, for his prince. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come. 
but they refuse to come. Now, the way banquet uh, weddings happen in antiquity is whenever there was a betrothal, betrothal, <laughs> invitations would go out. Um, and you, the idea was you were to be ready. When the wedding was prepared, you would be getting a, a subsequent invitation announcing that the time has come. Now is the time for the wedding. So you get a preliminary invite, and you and you respond, yes, I'm going to come. Well, when all the preparations are done, um, the uh, the the final announcement comes goes out. The wedding is prepared. Uh, you get this imagery with all over the Bible, right? The uh, the wedding supper of the Lamb is now ready, and the idea is that you know it, that's uh, symbolic for the the second coming of Jesus when everything is prepared. The invitations right now we're in, right now in the season of invitations going out. Get your RSVP. Get your you know respond respond. Um, but there'll come a day when the it's time. <laughs> well, similarly, um, you know, suppose it, so, so, presumably all of these people have responded. Yes, we want to be there. Well, uh, those who've been invited to the banquet tell them to come, but they refuse to come. So they said they were they said they were going to come, but when it was actually time to come, they refused to come. Verse four. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who've been invited that I've prepared my dinner. My oxen, my fattened calf have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. He's like, no, maybe you don't understand. Like the food's ready. Everything is prepared. Tell them to come. But they paid no attention and went off. They ain't paid no attention. You ever heard that old saying? Man, we were so poor growing up, we didn't even have enough money to pay attention. Man, I was so broke. Man, I'm so broke, I can't even pay attention. <laughs> uh, apparently, these people are so broke, they ain't even, pay, they ain't even paying attention. <laughs> oh, man. I was so poor growing up. All we had was poking grits. Poking grits. Poke your feet under the table and grit your teeth. <laughs> uh, I was so poor. That's all, all we had for dinner every night was poking grits. Poke your feet under the table and grit your teeth. <laughs> uh, but anyway, they they so poor they can't pay attention. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh here we go. Um so they they refused to come verse 4. Then he sent out more uh yeah, everything is ready. We read that. Verse 5. Verse 5. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized the servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. So what's supposed to be a, this is Jesus, right? What's supposed to be a moment of celebration, a moment of, uh, it's what you've been waiting for. It's what you said you were waiting for. <laughs> this is what, you know, you just, this was it. This was like a, the arrival of Jesus should have been a celebration. It should have been, God is here. He is with us. But the response was quite the opposite, right? By and large, it was quite the opposite. So they mistreated the son. They beat him. They killed him. They killed servants. 
The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Hmm. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I've invited did not deserve to come. They said they were going to come. They said they were my people. They said they were interested in what I was doing and my activity. They said a lot of stuff. But when the day of arrival came, uh, they, they paid no attention. They ignored it. They, re, they refused Jesus. So the, uh, back to the parable. So go to the street corners and invite, the banquet, invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. God's party is going to be full, y'all. You got to know it. It's going to be full. God's banquet will be filled. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. It's like, it's open to everybody, but you ain't going to just come in any way you want to. So there's a man in there with wedding, with, who doesn't have proper wedding clothes on. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. He said, I snuck in. No, he didn't say that. <clears throat> but that's what he basically. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. So even though the, um, even though the invitation is going out far and wide, it doesn't mean that you can just come in any old way you want. You still got to be clothed with Christ. You still got to be clothed with Jesus. So you get the parable, the, the, what the, the parable is saying, right? I mean, the whole wedding is, a, is a, an analogy of the coming of Jesus and people's response to Jesus, particularly those uh, of his own people, Israel. They said they were interested in the activity of God. They you know, had a... Had a, had a um, had a, a type of godliness, a, an air of godliness, but when Jesus comes, which should have been a time of, of celebration, and uh, this is what you've been waiting for, then, um, but they, they didn't respond affirmatively. They didn't, re they didn't receive him. There's God in flesh, God's own son. The wedding's ready, but they refused him. Um, and so as a result of that, God threw open the doors of the kingdom. I mean, he was always intended to do it, but it just made it more dramatic by Israel's refusal. God intends, throws open the doors to everyone, Jews, Gentiles alike, good, bad, ugly, all of them. Let's them in. But they can't just come in any way they want. You still got to come in clothed with Christ, clothed with the white, right wedding clothes on. There's a certain, you still got to be, uh, you still have to have the proper attire to be in the presence of a holy God. You got to have the righteousness of Jesus. You got to be clothed with Christ, not with a righteousness of your own. And so, um, this parable kind of illustrates that in incredible ways. Verse 15 Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Herodians were Jews who were. Uh, um, fans of Herod. They were uh, not accommodating, but they were uh, 
Yeah, they were fans. They were they they agreed with Herod. They were um, proponents of Herod. They were in his on his team. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity, which is interesting because that's an interesting that's an interesting pairing there. Pharisees and the Herodians. It's a pretty interesting pairing there, but they've teamed up against Jesus. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity. They don't believe that. They just, they just saying that. And, they, and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. That's all true. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. That's also true. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Hmm. As a Roman citizen, should I be? Should we be pay, as uh, citizens of Rome? Should we be paying, paying taxes to Caesar? Because this coin uh, has, uh, you know, the coin has Caesar on it, and basically uh, claims that the imperial coins basically claimed the divinity of Caesar. It was like, you know, the opposite of God, the opposite of worship of God. It was the worship of Caesar, Caesar in a sense. So is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, not really wanting the answer but to trick him, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he's asked them, whose image is this? And whose inscription? Who's on the who's on the who's whose face is this on the coin? And they said Caesar's. He said, "Then give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's." So these material things, give to Caesar the material stuff. You can give to Caesar, you know what you should what you should give him. Should you pay your taxes? Yes, it's tax day is coming up here in April, April eighteenth. Yeah, you got to pay your taxes. Give to Caesar. What is Caesar's? Give to the government what is the government's. Give to the United States what is the United States. Give to man what is man's. But give to God, but do not give to man what is should be reserved for God, which is what? Your heart. Don't give your heart and your devotion and your worship to any, any other empire, any other person, any other period than God. So give to Caesar what's Caesar's. You're not giving him worship. You're giving him taxes for the services he provides. You owe him that. Pay him. You're not, you're not disobeying God by giving to man what they deserve. <laughs> right? It's like, man, I ain't paying my mortgage. I just don't feel like the Lord wants me to do that. No, the Lord wants you to pay your mortgage. He does. The Lord wants you to pay your mortgage. The Lord wants you to pay your bills. He does. Give, give people what you owe them. But never give to any person any institution, anything other. Don't give your heart, don't give your allegiance, your ultimate allegiance and worship to anything other than God. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and you could put, you can take out Caesar and put anything else. Give to whatever, you know, put whatever. But only give to God what is God's. When they heard that, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. That doesn't sound right, does it? <laughs> wow, that was awesome. I'm out of here. <laughs> Deuces. <laughs> I'm out. Peace. Like, hmm. It doesn't seem like quite the response you would expect. They were, you would think something more like, 
they were amazed. So they stayed there for two days listening to him teach. But it's no, they were amazed. So they left and went away. Uh, I wonder if their amazement was a little bit like uh, frustration. I don't know. Man, may our amazement always draw us closer to Jesus and not away, right? Hmm. When we are amazed by him, we should linger in his presence, right? Linger at his feet, linger in worship. Our amazement shouldn't just be like, oh, well, that was neat. Move on. No. no. True uh, awe and, and wonder and amazement uh, for, this, for the heart that is seeking God um, leads to, uh, leads to a, um, a lingering in the presence of God, a, a, a earnestness to know more, a, an eagerness to hear more, to... Uh, uh, a desire to worship more. That same day, the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection, that's why they said, you see, they, they don't believe there's a resurrection. They came to him with a question. Uh, that's the difference between Pharisees and Sadducees. Pharisees believe in the entire law. Uh, the Sadducees, just the first five books of the law, and they also don't believe in any supernatural. Uh, they don't believe in the supernatural. Um, they don't believe in the resurrection, don't believe in angels, don't believe in demons, they don't believe in any, any supernatural, and they just regard the first five books of the Bible as inspired. So, of course, the Pharisees uh, re, uh, received the law and the prophets and the historical books as inspired. So theologically, and certainly biblically, Jesus was more aligned with the Pharisees than the Sadducees. So anyway, that, day, that same day, the Sadducees, who, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. Teacher, they said. So already in this chapter, we've seen the Pharisees come at him, the Herodians come at him, and now we see the Sadducees coming at him. Teacher, they said, Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for him. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first one married and died. And since he had no children, he left his wife to his brother. The same thing happened to the second and the third, right on down to the seventh. See, that story, I always think in this story, I was like, man, I don't know what your question is, but I'd be looking into the back, the history of this woman. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know where your question is going. I know where your question is going, Sadducees. But this, I, if first of all, she, she, go, she rolling through them dudes. And they get they dropping like flies. We got we down to seven. She, you need a, somebody need to get a private eye on her. There's something going on, man. Stop drink, stop drinking that coffee. They're like here, have some of this coffee. She got real good coffee. It goes great going down. That's the last thing you remember. I'm just saying, something something wrong with this woman. She got seven. She going she wiping that family out. Anyway. I don't know. I just, I just think it's suspicious. <laughs> I mean, that's all. But I know, I know it's just a hypothetical situation. That's not really the question. It's not really about that. But anyway. So anyway, this woman, she's married to this brother. She goes all the way through all the brothers. Same thing happened to the second, the third, right on down to the seventh. 
I feel like you're number four or you're number five. You're like, mm, no, nah, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm sorry, but I don't. Mm -mm. I don't think. I don't think this is gonna work out. I don't think we. I don't think I can. I don't think I can take you in. You know, after two, you two, three of my brothers already gone. I mm, ain't no room in the end. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to find that find somewhere else to go. Anyway, they die too though, because they they did. Uh the same third, right on down the line to the seventh. Finally, verse 27. Finally, the woman died. Man, see, I live them all. Finally, the woman died. And the brother, then surprisingly, the brother stopped dying. Brother eight, nine, and ten, they made it. They ain't they fine. <laughs> surprisingly. <laughs> Brothers one through seven, hmm, what did they have in common? They had the same wife. Oh, that would be it. <laughs> Brothers eight, nine, and ten, man, they feeling good. They're like, Ooh, we dodged a bullet. Yeah, amen. Anyway, anyway, finally, the woman died. Now then, here's the question. It's not about that. Here's the real question. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven? Well, they know none of them want her. She killed them all. No, nah, we don't know. But anyway, they asked, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven, <laughs> since all of them were married to her? Right? So they're just trying to, they're just trying to uh, create a hypothetical uh, and show a contradiction about the resurrection, right? Like, if she's married to all these people and there's supposed to be a marriage in, he in, in, in heaven, who's she going to be married to in the resurrection? Whose wife is she? Jesus replied, you're in error, error, because you do not know the scriptures. Because hmm. you ain't reading the Bible or the power of God. Ooh. Man. You do not know the scriptures or the power of God. Man, let that never be said of us. Man, that we would always be familiar with the scripture, that we would know the scripture, and we would welcome the power of God. But they didn't. They didn't know either. At the resurrection, people will neither marry or be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. They will have spiritual bodies. But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Mm. He's like, you're, you're, like you're, you're getting in the weeds here about you know who's she going to be married to. No, this... The, the reality is going to be so much greater. It's going to be it's going to surpass all of that. People aren't going to be worried about who they're married to. It's going to be so much greater than that. We're going to have spiritual bodies. The crowds were astonished when they heard this. Now the question there is, will you be married in heaven? Well, I mean, it doesn't sound like it. Will you know your spouse? Of course. I think you're going to know people. Yeah, you're going to know people that you knew here. There's going to be deep affection and love and um, and commitment. Uh, or not, I mean, yeah, commitment and, and honor and, and, and uh, connection. Yeah. But are there going to be like married couples? I don't know. I don't know. I don't, it doesn't sound like it. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it. You have spiritual bodies. Verse 34, 
Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. They were like, ooh, we like that. We like it when he shut the Sadducees up, but we don't like it when he shuts us up. But they heard about it, and they were like, ooh, burn. <laughs> he burned them. <laughs> the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? See, now they're talking about the law. Let's talk about the law. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command. That's where we start, y'all. There's a reason that's the first command and not the second. The first command is love the Lord your God. You've got to know the love of God, friends. You can never, you're never going to be able to love others. You're not going to be able to do the second commandment until we do the first one well. We love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And in that loving relationship, we allow him to love us. We understand his love for us, his grace towards us, his kindness and compassion towards us, his generosity and graciousness towards us, his mercy towards us, his delight in us. When we experience that love, then we can then we can approach the second commandment. But there's a lot of stuff that goes on these days that really pushes the second commandment, right? Love others, love others, love others. And you should. We should, obviously it's the it's the greatest and it's the second commandment. Love other others. The golden rule. Love your neighbors yourself. Yes, yes, yes. But you never you can't get that right, man. You're never gonna get that right until you allow God to love you and to you and until we love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It flows out of that. The loving of neighbor will only come from the authentic place it should when we have the right kind of relationship with God. Then our love towards our neighbor, neighbor is an overflow of the love we are receiving from God. And it's genuine and it's kind and it's selfless. It comes from a place that, um, that is undefiled and has pure intentions. But it starts with love of God. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God, love others. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, What do you think about the Messiah? Who is he? <laughs> uh, could you imagine? <clears throat> could you imagine that, man? Could you imagine like Jesus is sitting like uh you could could you hear somebody just saying, who's gonna tell him? <laughs> like you're in the sit sitting with seating with Jesus, and the Pharisees ask, um, what do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? And everybody's like, who's gonna tell him? Uh, hmm. So Jesus says, the son of David, they replied. Oh, wait, it's Jesus talking, so my bad. Jesus is asking them. Bad, my bad. Jesus is asking them, who do you think the Messiah is? Whose son is he? Um, so he's asking them. <laughs> my, my, my bad, my bad. So, the, so they said, the son of David. Okay. He said to them, how is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? So how does... David, King David, called the Messiah Lord. So a a um, a a a title of honor. 
Um, how is how is David subservient to Messiah if Messiah is a descendant? Because the idea is that if you're if you're a predecessor, you always have greater honor than the younger. So how is it David, who's older, is showing honor to someone who's younger if the Messiah is the son of David? There must be more going on with the Messiah than mere lineage. So it says, how is it that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies, uh, your enemies under your feet. So God basically said to my Lord, that is the Messiah, sit at my hand until I make your enemies my feet. If David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one says, no one could say a word in reply. And from that day, no one dared to ask him any more questions. <laughs> they were like, "We okay, we got nothing. We, this is not working. This uh, this trapping him is not working." Um, but the point is, uh, with that, is that the Messiah is greater than David, and David saw that even through the psalm. Um, that uh, the psalm writer is saying, "David, uh, the the Lord is superior to David," um, and so. <clears throat> and it's just sort—it's sort of similar to the uh, the John, the way John would say it, uh, record the words of Jesus. Before Abraham was, I am, right? So Jesus came, birthed, was was born after Abraham, but he preceded Abraham because he was eternal. He's eternal. Same way with uh, this conversation with David. He was he was the descendant of David. Yes, he was. Jesus was a descendant of David, but. He preceded David because he's God. He's the Lord. Yeah. All right, you guys, let's pray. Let's pray. Thanks so much for being on today and spending some time in the Word of God. Lord, thank you so much for my friends. Thank you for your holy word. Thank you for what you, are te you, you teach us every day. God, the way you instruct us and challenge us, Lord, to, uh, to grow. Lord, we thank you for your love and your goodness that you show towards us in so many amazing ways. Lord, we ask that we would know your love better. Open our hearts and our minds to see you more so that we might experience your love even more fully and then be able to show it to others. I pray your blessing and your grace to shine on each and every person at the sound of my voice today. May you bless them and encourage them. May you let them know that you love them, that you see them, that you're with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you today, my friends. Love you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If this episode has been an encouragement to you, take a minute to subscribe or comment or share it with your friends. You can find me, Pastor Terry, and Bayside Church on all social media platforms. You can find Bayside at Bayside Church SH. Until next time, remember, God's word is true. Everything else is merely commentary. God bless you. We'll see you next time.